we're not your family because we're not going to make you redundant or give you performance reviews, but we are your community, which is a nice pivot. It's like, hey, we're, we're your work community. We care about everybody. We work hard together. But I thought that was an important distinction. Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Hey there, folks. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My guest today is Dave Dickman, who is the CEO at Tagger Media. Dave, what's happening today? How's it going, man? Nice to, nice to talk to you. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Tell our listeners a little bit about uh, what you're up to. What do you do? Who are you? What keeps you excited? And we'll go from there. Wow, that's a lot. Do you guys have five hours? Yeah, as long as you need. <laughs> No, uh, currently um, uh, the company's based in LA. We're in Santa Monica, and we're in the influencer marketing space. We're the tech underpinning to the industry. You know, I, I, we were um, chatting earlier. This is a paid media execution at its core, and the opportunity is all the eyeballs quickly went to social, and marketers are trying to figure out how to leverage social media influencers and their audiences. And so, enter Tagger, which is a tool to. Research, plan, execute, post out the the, the campaign. So we've been uh, around for about seven years. Awesome. And as we were saying in the in the pre-show, you went from five guys and a dog out of a WeWork to about a hundred odd people in seven years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you know, as these things go, we had the wind at our back as a category. Influencer marketing was doing incredibly well. We brought on a lot of smart people to kind of do this brick by brick and not get too far over ourselves in terms of expansion. And, you know, we closed more business, we'd hire more people type of thing. So we raised a couple of rounds of funding last year. Prior to that, we were on a good path to profitability. Uh, But we closed an A and a B, which was colossal pain in the ass to go out and pitch for. But the, the, the bright lining there was because it was COVID, instead of getting on planes and flying all around to pitch ourselves, uh, it was incredibly efficient to do a lot of videos. You, you miss that human element of, could I work with these guys or I like these guys on both sides? But we we, we had a good time doing it and uh, managed to secure a couple of rounds. That's awesome. Well, I'm sure that, you know, your skill set. So just for everybody listening at home, please do look up at Dave. But, you know, stints at Procter & Gamble, Katz Media Group, Walt Disney Company, Turner, Warner Brothers, you know, uh, SVP of digital marketing and sales at Walt Disney. Like y'all, you've had some pretty yeah. uh, significant experience in the sell- global head of sales, Apple, IAD. You know, like you've been in the game for a long time doing some really cool stuff. It means I'm fucking old, Anthony. Well, that, you know, that's what we just replaced CEO at Tagger yeah, Media. Yeah, I like and that. I'm really I like that. freaking Perfect. old. I have so many questions, but if you distill all of that wisdom, uh, not age, into it, you know, what did you learn about doing business? What are some of the things that like those guiding principles that have, that have got you to that, the, you know, the successful place that you're at right now, building on that experience with all those great brands and companies and, and opportunities? Yeah, I think tapping your word build is key for me. If I were going to boil it down, working at large companies, matrix or early stage, I've always been a builder. I feel like the, the company as I were, I spent time at, I was always in divisions that were growing and scaling and less commoditized. So 
you know, when I spent time at Turner, they were exporting CNN around the globe and Cartoon Network and kind of jumped into that. And I mean, I would just encourage everybody. I think for me, I, you know, I wasn't always successful everywhere I landed, but I, you raise your hand. You know, when I was at Turner, they were exporting. I was living in New York City and they were exporting the product all around the world and needed people to already knew the company. And I raised my hand to go out to Hong Kong and they said, well, we're not going to send you out ahead of time. We just, you know, we'll get your visa, pack your, pack your bag. So I've never been to Asia. And, you know, I was living in a shitty walk up in New York, but I loved my time there and was just ready for a change. So it was an easy enough kind of tuck and roll. But, you know, raising your hand and then, you know, landing in a region that was hyper growth. We were opening offices, hiring, scaling. That's the fun part for me. And it's, it's also hard work. But I think there's there's that um, accomplishment when you look back, you, you left a fingerprint or some legacy on an infrastructure or um, success on the business side. Mm. I tend to find CEOs love to move fast, but sometimes they aren't always great at building the infrastructure behind them to support that sustained growth. In these adventures where you are like building something, what are some of the keys to remember to create something that lasts, not just something that explodes? Yeah, I think you have to be self-aware enough to know, play to your strengths and where your weaknesses are, and then just bring in kick-ass people to prop you up, essentially. Or think about an athletic team, right? You're 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 building a great team. So you don't want to bring in a lot of me twos. You want to bring in somebody, uh, in my case, who's got some operational build the infrastructure, more analytical than I am type of scenario. Mm. Uh, and then also a lot of the international roles I've had, you know, you, you need kind of the United Nations effect. You need people from all places and countries and territories because you're you're localizing products and moving it. So you, you need some expertise so you don't have that American lens on everything. Yeah, I got that. So if we shift gears a little bit to what's happened with Kegger over the past, you know, five, five to seven years, what were some of those, you know, it was a whole different experience. It's still a, a growth kind of thing, minus having to go out and go for those rounds. What were some of those like key learning experiences potentially from the places that you messed up where you're like, whoa, that was kind of, you know, humbling or I'm still in my, you know, learning yeah. journey that you went uh, through with Tiger? I think, you know, as these things go, you got to check your ego. You know, if you, if you it's not about the corner office anymore. I'm not sure it ever really was. But I think, you know, going into an early stage company, at least my experience was you're I'm doing things I haven't had to do in 20 years in terms of basic blocking and tackling because you have matrix teams to help tackle a lot of that. So it's chucking that side of it. And you have to really be willing to roll up your sleeves, ask questions. Influencer marketing is, it's new. It's a lot of 20-somethings. It's, you know, I, I prefer working with a younger generation of folks just from a learning selfish reason for me. I learned a lot from, from that group of people. And then there's a lot of wisdom I can bring to the party having spent time at a lot of these big companies in terms of processes and how to, how to crunch things. But just remaining open and a lot, lot of high energy, I think, as well, in terms of you have to clearly like the product or service or be into what you're doing, because that translates. You can't quite fake that. Hey, Anthony here. One of the things I don't talk too much about on the podcast is what we do at SME Strategy. So I wanted to let you know that if you and your team are thinking about getting together you know, this winter or even in the new year for strategic planning, that we'd be happy to have a conversation to see how we might be able to help your team walk through the strategic planning process and make sure that your people, your strategy, your culture are on the same page. One of the most exciting parts about the work that we do is being able to lead people through a proven process to help them get to where they want to go. 
If you're interested about that process, our video about it on YouTube just hit over a million views. So be sure to check that out. Let us know what you think. Uh, But most importantly, I wanted to let you know that if you are looking for somebody to partner with your team to support everybody in getting aligned, moving forward towards a clear set of goals and objectives, and really making sure that you have the foundations for that next stage of growth, that we can partner with you to do that. Whether that's through an offsite strategic planning session or, you know, follow up support services to keep you accountable, to help your team grow and develop, or really to lead a full transformation. So if you're interested, check out smestrategy.net. You can check out our about page, our services page. It'll tell you more about how we do things. And I'd be happy to have a conversation with you to see if we're a good fit to help. Thanks so much. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. And now let's get back into the episode. How was that? Like, did you have any challenges building sort of like, hey, here's my experience and here's everything that that I know that I've built on from the, you know, let's call it decades of experience. I'm sure you love that. Uh, (laughs) Versus the, hey, you know, I'm 20, I've got a way of working. And, you know, like, how did you reconcile that? Hey, well, there's so many different generations in the workforce right now. I mean, the, the the nice part of jumping in an early stage company is everybody's more collegiate, meaning they're, they're your colleagues. There's not a hierarchical, you're my boss, you're not my boss. Everybody's kind of rowing the boat. And I think it's having that level of clarity. What 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 are your objectives for the next three months, six months, year even? Can't get too far ahead in a, a smaller company. And then focus. It's, it's about what you say, no to, focusing on things. You know, I, I always have a point of view on how to scale and build products and the media world and this having been in broadcast and cable and digital and music streaming influencer marketing to me felt like another rev of all of those right it was a, it's the most complicated paid media execution so it was comfortable to me from a thought leadership knowledge perspective a lot of the similar stakeholders but we're a SaaS tech platform which i hadn't really tackled before i worked in tech companies but always on the media side so it was a bit of a learning curve. I think in those areas, I tend to ask more questions and stuff I just know because I've done it forever. I just kind of lead the charge and let people know that's how we're going to push it forward. Yeah, that makes sense. So you had mentioned when we first started, you're like, hey, you know, the winds of change were kind of in our favor. Now it's 2022 influencer marketing. It's nowhere near saturated. Obviously, there, there's so much there, but I think that the game is changing consistently. What do you think uh, leadership teams, what do you think CEOs need to know about the kind of the, the media space right now, uh, circles of influence, the, you know, marketing generally, anything that you see that's standing out that either excites you or terrifies you? A uh, little bit of all that. I, I think ROI still rings true from a, a core marketer, right? They're looking at that. But I, I will tell you a couple of years ago, we were having to sell the medium and influencer marketing to a lot of brand folks and agencies. That seems to have gone away. I feel like everybody's doing something in that space. So that's kind of nice maturity level. And, and that was another thing having when we were launching cable networks and digital sites around the world, you know, the same thing. People didn't know what the hell that was or how to how to leverage it or how to tap the audiences. So dipping into some of that has really been helpful. But influencer marketing, it's held to a little bit of a different standard because I think there's some skepticism around it. But when you aggregate all those audiences and it's very specific. And you find audiences that have a propensity to want your product or service. It's word of mouth marketing. It does incredibly well. So marketers, when they're measuring that investment against all their other investments, we're seeing a lot of money shifting over to influencer because it's it doing quite well in terms of moving product and services. 
Mm, absolutely. I was having a, a reflection. So we do a lightning talk at our company every six weeks just to talk about something interesting. And, and I'm a marketing guy at heart. And I was just like reflecting on like SEO, like pure marketing, pure search engine optimization. And historically, and I don't know if this is even right, this is just my musing, was like, okay, it's done off of search. You enter what you want and Google will push it to you. And that right. makes sense. And, I, and my thought, just building on our conversation, was now it's not like search engine optimization. It's like user pushing. So instead of pulling the, the information to you, right. the game is now how can you best understand and segment your customer? So when you push something to them, it's optimized, but it's so targeted that it hits way better than anything. Am I full of shit or does that make sense? No, to no, you? no. I think, I think you're spot on. I, I would also add to that, you know, a lot of marketers have gotten better really fast at a variety of content. So for instance, you might have your polished content, then there might be this kind of user generated, then there's the influencer you've hired because you like the way they're doing something to do it. I think that that trifecta, that combination speaks to brand authenticity because brands are trying to tap a, you know, if it's overly packaged, the audiences are smart, they see right through it. And, and you know, I think they need to, brands need to have a voice. So if you do one of those, it might look a little overproduced or underproduced. So I think that aggregation of a variety of content it's been very effective. It's also interesting in a world where if you're a brand or an agency, you have your own socials, you're, it's feeding the beast. You always have to produce content for the consumers, which can be you know a little bit daunting. So there's some art and science there on how you manage what type of content. And you can optimize to see what's pulling better for you, depending on what metrics you're measuring it against. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so just as we kind of like slowly wrap up, you know, what are some, additionally to what you've shared, what is something you want to tell our audience? What do you want them to know either about what Tagger's doing, about your experience in leadership, uh, your learnings, lessons from being an investor advisor? Like, you know, the stage is yours, Dave, what do you want to talk about? Yeah. I mean, Tagger aside, I would, before we jumped on, I was thinking, what I would say to my, you know, my kids type of thing. I, you know, I, I, I talked earlier about raising your hand and, you know, showing up as a big part of just career advice I would give somebody. I also feel like oftentimes people miss the mark in an interview or if you're pitching your product, ask for the order. You know, I, I, I you know, if somebody has researched your company and you have an, a good conversation, you're reading the room well, you should say, I really want to work here. Is there anything, you know, like cl try to close it out. I think that's a good in life, because I can't tell you people don't do that. Mm. Or, you know, if you really, if it's an opportunity you want to go after, you put together a little one sheeter, you come in with a little pitch deck or, you know, whatever that is, anything extra you can show that there's great intention and enthusiasm around it uh, will make a big difference. I know it's much more of a candidate's market right now, which I think it's shifting slightly back towards the middle. But I just, I think that's a good, you know, go after what you want. And if, if it's not what you want when you get in there, then, you know, you renegotiate and redirect. But but I do think that raising your hand and asking for what you want is really critical. Awesome. I, I think that applies with everything. Like, obviously, in your background in sales, you know, the worst they can give you is no. And, right. But the best they can give you is a yes. And I think if the frequency at which you ask for the deal is only going to increase your batting average. If you ask for an upsell, only going to increase your batting average. And even with coworkers, I think like the more you ask for support and help, I mean, obviously there's politics behind there, but uh, I think uh, being okay to look bad and uh, 
as I was thinking of like your experience going into new markets, I've started a bunch of businesses and stuff is like, there's nobody else. Like if you don't do it, nothing's right. going to happen. Right. So you have to do what it takes and doing what it takes is going that extra. Not like, eh, it'll be fine. If I go through Absolutely. the motions, it just doesn't fly. And also, so. you know, just have fun with it, which, you know, I, I think the good news is today you're able to bring your whole self to work, whatever that is. If you have a young family or, you know, what, whatever that is, everybody's embracing that. It wasn't always like that. And so, that's really nice. I think you have to compartmentalize. It used to be you kind of punch the clock, but now everything's incorporated into how you're living. I think that's a really positive step forward in terms of going after what you want and you know, picking smart people you can learn from. I, I always, when we're interviewing people or talking to people, I try to get meet somebody for a coffee or a, or lunch or, or a cocktail or whatever it is, because I think you can tell a lot about someone's emotional intelligence about can they read a room? Were they an asshole to the waiter? Like you just pick up some physical cues and it's not even just for sales jobs. It's just, you know, who you want on your team. If they're a solid citizen, think different than you, but just somebody you could sort of, who's smart switched on, you could work with. And you don't have to be your best friend. It's funny when people, we talk about culture at Tagger and a few folks had said, uh, it's like a work family. Mm. And there's a psychologist, Adam Grant, who does a lot of work on um, companies. and and He'd written something that resonated with me because we're, you know, we're not your family because we're not going to put make you redundant or give you performance reviews. But we are your community, which is a nice pivot. It's like, hey, we're we're your work community. We care about everybody. We work hard together. But I thought that was an important distinction because in a world where your employment at big companies or small companies is can be tenuous, just from you know company structure. Right. So that community thing really resonated with me where it's, it takes out of that kind of family mode because your family is your family, right? It's like, you're, you're, you know, your work piece is different. Yeah. You, know, you can't choose your family. Uh, right. That's why I say, like, our business is a family. Some people don't like their family. So you, I don't know if you want to create that atmosphere. Uh, so Dave, as we finish up, uh, tell folks where they can connect with you. Where can they learn more about Tagger and join the community uh, that you're building? Yeah, absolutely. We're taggermedia.com. I'm Dave at Tagger Media. So very, very easy. But um, yeah, I'd love to connect with anybody who wants to talk about anything influencer marketing or beyond. Awesome. Dave, I appreciate you today. Thanks for, for being here. Thanks for chatting. And just thanks for sharing your wisdom of your oldness, which I would absolutely. never say to anybody else, but you brought it up first. Congrats on the baby. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Folks, my guest today has been Dave Dickman, who is the CEO at Tagger Media. So look at how you are building the community of people around you. Put your hand up, create those opportunities in the economic climate that we're in. There are opportunities everywhere. You just have to be willing to take it. So follow, do what Dave would do and just put your hand up and say <laughs> yes to something. There Anyways, you go. Take care. Thanks, Dave. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We post twice a week, so you can count on us for your weekly source of content to help you grow and expand as a leader. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. We read every single one, and it helps us make a better show for you, the listener. Also, it helps more people find the show, which means we can help as many people as possible. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.